never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. No way with the slackers. No, no way with the slackers. No, 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 no way with the slackers. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Clock in, never clock out. Welcome, welcome to the Path of Revelation podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Parker, and this is where the culture meets scripture. Hopefully everyone is having an amazing day. I pray that God is reigning rich in your hearts and that you are pursuing your God-given purpose. Um, Listen, quick announcement. I know I haven't mentioned it in a while on the show, but I am still working on my first solo project. It's coming. I'm super excited. God willing, um, it will be available this August. And so we're not far away. Um, Just a few songs to tighten up, a few things to get done. I'm super, super excited uh, to share this body of work with you guys. And I just want to say thank you for everyone who has been supporting um, that effort. I want to thank everyone who has donated to Path of Revelation, everyone who has shared the show with someone. Um, your, Your support is priceless. And I really appreciate you guys because this, this show is a, is truly a ministry tool to edify the body of Christ, as well as an evangelistic tool for those who don't know Christ. So I'm super excited about what God is doing. And I'm excited about today's show. I want to talk about self-righteousness and love. I think the world has become more and more self-righteous than ever. You know, in the midst of uh, fighting for black lives to matter, social justice issues, race issues are at the forefront of, of society today. I think the world has become more self-righteous than ever. And when I say more self-righteous than ever, it's like everyone is pointing the finger at each other. You have the liberals pointing the finger at the conservatives, the conservatives pointing the finger at the liberals. And we're we're constantly being bombarded with information, news articles, blogs. Um, and, and now we see the cancel culture starting to arise where they're canceling flags and canceling statues of Jesus and saying, hey, this represents white supremacy. And we're seeing a lot of things that are coming out of the cultural climate that we're in. And I think we as Christians, there's a couple of layers to this that I think that we as Christians have to be discerning and cautious about, sober minded about. As, as the world begins to campaign and, and push to cancel things, and, and, and many things do represent racism and r- represents prejudice, but as the world, as the culture starts pointing the finger at canceling things that are offensive, we as Christians have to be thinking at what point in time could they potentially or will they turn to the Bible and say, hey, that's too offensive? Or what you're preaching is too offensive to a, a people group. 
And so we as Christians have to be conscious of that and be mindful of these things because some of us or many of us are jumping on bandwagons that are fighting in the name of black lives or fighting uh, in the name of social justice. And these bandwagons that we're jumping on are not rooted in Christ. And what I mean by that, they literally have agendas, other agendas that are antichrist. And so while we jump or while we um, um, join ourselves to these different organizations and movements like Black Lives Matter for the sake of fighting for equality for black lives and justice for black lives, we don't even realize that many of these organizations like uh, Black Lives Matter, they have agendas that support and advocate for abortion, or they have agendas that go against the heterosexual male and the and the family structure that God intended, man and woman, husband and wife. They're 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 literally antichrist, and so because many times we can get in our emotions. We, we find ourselves getting away from the word of God. And, and, and for many of us, some of us have been grieved because we feel like the church can be doing more. We feel like um, the church can be more active and more vocal about these these particular topics. And some of us are frustrated and, and, because the comments, some of the commentary that we've heard from prominent Christians has been disappointing. And I can identify with that. I've been disappointed in some of the commentary and and, and some of the arrogant, unloving, um, cold responses that I've seen towards uh, systemic racism and, and, and prejudice in America from Christians. I've seen some flat out cold responses unloving responses, arrogant responses. Um, But what I would say to you, as I encourage myself also with this, we can't allow how Christians who respond unloving to dictate how we respond to these things. We can't, and I'm talking about prominent leaders. I'm talking about Um, preachers that you look up to or that have been looked up to by many can be disappointing when it comes to race relations. But listen, this is why Christ is our standard. And so don't allow the disappointment that you may see in, in some Christians responses cause you to jump on the bandwagon that's not rooted in Christ. Or to, or to forsake the church. Be the change that you want to see within the church. Because listen, I, I truly believe that the Lord, especially in this hour and day and time that we're in, I really believe that God is raising up new leaders within the body of Christ. And so don't allow your disappointment towards 
other leaders within the church to cause you to miss your opportunity to become a leader. I believe God is raising up leaders. I believe God is raising up new voices who will be examples unto his glory. And so be encouraged. But I really want to I want to talk about self-righteousness and love as we as the body of Christ purpose to be sought the salt of the earth in the light of the world. I think we have to make sure that we're not conforming to the world and how we view and respond in the midst of these high racial tension that that is existing within the world today. And so as believers, you know, I'll say this first. I've been so convicted these last few weeks as I as I watch many interactions around the race conversation, as I watch conversations around the white privilege and um, all of these dialogues has been extremely draining. It's been times where I've been encouraged, but more so, if I'm be honest, it's been more times when I've been grieved. But out of all of this, regardless of my opinion or or where I fall concerning certain topics, the number one thing that I believe the Lord has been doing within me is convicting me and causing me to look at myself. And I've just I've been encouraged and convicted to love more. Um, I've been convicted and, and encouraged to humble myself more. And so I really want to deal with self-righteousness and love right now. And I'm going to read some scriptures that I read last episode, but I want to kind of expound some more and, and, and extract and pull out some more things that I believe will be a blessing to you. But listen, Jesus still saves. He still he still Jesus didn't stop saving like this world is still in desperate need for him. Everything that we see going wrong in this world is a result of sin. Jesus is the answer to save us from sin. And so whether it's racism, whether it is murder, rape, hatred, um, whatever it may be, Jesus is the answer. And he is the only one who can redeem a dark heart. And so Jesus is still saving. And, and, and this is a confidence that we have to have moving forward as believers. But when we as Christians and hear me good when I say this, when we as Christians fail to walk in sanctification, when we fail to deny ourselves, when we fail to walk in love and humility towards one another, we actually taint our witness before a world we claim to have the answer for. And so I'm reminded of John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, where Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now, listen, he's talking to believers right now. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the church. He says, I give unto you a new commandment that you love one another just as I 
have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me ask you guys a question. Why would people want to be a Christian when they see Christians don't even like each other? Or Christians don't even love each other. It's like the devil is just sitting back, chilling with his feet kicked up while we're just fighting each other. And listen, it's not just simple disagreements like fighting each other, insulting each other. Listen, I don't I don't care your title. I don't care your prestige in the church or the world. I don't care how big your influence is. I don't care how many followers you have. If you don't have love, if we don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. First Corinthians chapter 13 through one through eight. And I read this last show, but I want to pull some other things out of this. Starting at verse one, the Apostle Paul, he starts out by writing and saying, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Now listen, what's interesting about these verses of scripture, it's actually mentioning a lot of good things. For example, tongues are a good thing. Prophecy is a good thing. Giving your body to be burned for the sake of the gospel can be a good thing or is a good thing. But it's saying if you don't have love, if these things aren't rooted in love, it doesn't mean anything. And so what are the scriptures communicating to us? The scriptures are telling us and showing us that you can be doing the right thing, but with the wrong spirit. Listen, y'all, this is deep, but not so deep. I can actually be doing the right thing, but with the wrong motive. You can be doing the right thing, but with the wrong motive. This is why in Colossians Chapter three, verse 23, the Apostle Paul, he tells us to do all things 
wholeheartedly as unto the Lord and not to please men. So I can I can feed the homeless. I can give to charities. I can lead praise and worship and teach Bible study and do a podcast and actually make it about me. I could be doing something in the name of the Lord, but make it about me. When it is truly listen, when it is truly rooted in love, we don't make it about ourselves. We don't make it about our glory. This is why the Bible says God man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the intent of our hearts. And so we have to make sure that even though we may be right in our stance, we can't allow self-righteousness to take root of our of our stance or we can't allow our stance for truth to be rooted in self-righteousness. And so even when we do the right thing or even when we speak truth, we have to make sure that is rooted in love. And the scripture let us lets us know that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Like we shouldn't be in the comment section being rude and arrogant using scripture, though. Like like we shouldn't be hateful to our brothers and sisters or hateful to non-believers. That is not love. And so. When we listen, when 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 it's not rooted in love, it becomes about our personal interests. In our politics and not the glory of God. Could it be. And here and listen to me, this is a question that we need to ask ourselves and be honest. Could it be. We don't realize how self help. Could it be we don't realize how self-righteous we really are? And I'll be the first to admit I've been self-righteous in the past. It's not that some of the positions I've taken in the past haven't been right. And it's not like I don't still believe the Bible is true and believe in calling sin sin. But I would admit in the past, there's been different times where I viewed things from a self-righteous position and didn't realize it. And listen, self-righteousness is something that I believe we always have to be conscious of fighting within our flesh. How do you know? You want to know how you how how you can tell if you're self-righteous? <laughs> you want to know how you can tell if you're self-righteous? Self-righteousness is having the energy and motivation to break down, dissect, pick apart and be grieved by other people's sin while not being grieved by your own. Like if you're more grieved at what other people are doing and, and, and how unrighteous they are, but you don't care about your lust issue or you don't or, or you're not grieved by your nasty attitude. That's a problem. That's self-righteousness. We want to deal with the speck in other people's eyes or, or deal with the speck in our brother's eyes, in our sister's eye, while ignoring the log in our own eye. There are Christians 
who are more liberal and there are Christians who are more conservative. And I'm not here to argue about who's more right and who's more wrong, because I believe that plays into the self-righteous mentality a lot of times that I see running rampant amongst many believers right now, which I think is contributing to what is tainting many of our witness before the world that we're called to proclaim this glorious gospel before. Now, catch this. There are liberal Christians who are way too emotional, so emotional that they don't even care about facts or truth when they're in the heat of their emotions. They only care about what feels right to them versus what's actually right. And then you have conservative Christians who aren't emotional enough or emotional at all. So they lack compassion and lack sympathy and empathy towards people's personal experiences. And they respond to people's real life experiences with stats and numbers and articles. And so they disregard human grief with stats and numbers. And I know, I, I know hip, hypocrisy is running rampant. The world is full of hypocrites. And, and hypocrisy is a big issue. I know that. I know that people should be just as gr aggrieved by abortions and black on black crime as they are when a white cop kills a black person. But hypocrisy, and hear me good, hypocrisy shouldn't hinder us from showing people compassion and grieving with those who grieve. It's time for us to start meeting people where they are. We need to constantly remind ourselves where the Lord brought us from, what the Lord saved us from. I'm reminded of Romans chapter five, verse eight. Yet while we were sinners, yet while we were in sin, Christ died for us while we were in our mess. Christ died for us. And so out of all the information and learning we're doing, out of all of the theology we're learning, out of all the information that we're acquiring, many of us need to revisit love. We need to ask God to give us a strong and real revelation of his love. Because out of all the things that we're learning, out of all the information that we're constantly taking in, if we don't understand the love of God, if we don't have love, none of it means anything. It's time to stop using God's sovereignty as an excuse to not deal with your nasty attitude. It's time to stop using scriptures and articles as a way to justify your unloving approach. We have to stop trying to use God and scripture and scripture to justify our mean spirit. To justify our agendas. We can't afford 
to neglect our sanctification. Sanctification is the process, a continual process that believers must walk in after salvation. Like we have to mortify the deeds of our flesh. In other words, purify ourselves constantly before the Lord. It's, it's time out for excuses to cut out the excuses. It's time to cut out the excuses. I want to leave you guys with this last scripture verses of scripture found in Colossians chapter three, verse five through twenty five. And I think this is so important. Starting at verse five, it says mortify, in other words, purify, therefore your members or in other words, your body, which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil consumptions and covetousness, which is idolatry for which things for which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In other words, it's saying for these things, the wrath of God come on the children of disobedience. But since you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you shouldn't be walking in these things. Verse seven, it says in the which you also walked some time when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, in other words, hatred, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. These are all things that I've seen amongst believers in the midst of this climate. It's time to put these things off. It says, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy. Now, this is sanctification, y'all. It says, but Christ is all and in all. And, it, and this is the sanctification part. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Bows of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you forgive them. Verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity or in other words, put on love above all these things. It says above all these things, it has to be rooted in love. It says put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. In other words, it holds all these things together and let the peace of God. Hallelujah. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you are called in one body 
and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Listen, we can't be listening to any and everybody. Right now, there are so many voices speaking right now, but we have to have our ear in tune to the wisdom of God. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Listen, I'm going to stop there. The, these things are so important. It's so important for us to walk in love. It's so important for us to walk in humility. And my prayer is that we turn the mirror to ourselves. And examine ourselves and cling to conviction, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Listen, thank you guys for tuning in to the Path of Revelation podcast. I know this was a quick show, but listen, go to the Path of Revelation now.com and leave your prayer requests and questions and tune in next Wednesday. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in.